happy morning. Yeah. Although this morning, this week, it's a little stressful for me. Bit. Is yeah. it because we're closing another issue? Um, there's that, but then it's also back to school for me. Ooh, okay. I have a lot of questions. Fourth about grader ready for school. Ooh, I got questions. Okay, but before we do it, I'm Charlie Penn. I'm Corey Murray, and this is Yes, yes Girl. Welcome back, you guys. We miss you every week. Corey, I know you've been so busy, my darling. We've been busy closing another fabulous issue of Closing Essence. another fabulous issue. We yes. still have our vacation clothes. We try do. try to extend this tan as much as I can. It's hard, though, to come back from vacation and get back to the busy, even though the work we do is so amazing and fun and exciting. It's a lot of it. So we can get a little stressed post-vacation because, you know, you got to catch up on your emails. Oh, my God. Even though oh my God, email. can I tell you the first day I was back in the office, I had at least 10,000. I'm not even lying. What? And I posted that on Twitter and so many people have responded to me. And one person told me I should just select, read all and yeah. start fresh. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, I think That's I might do that. That's a great idea. But you know who noticed me being stressed? Julie Bean. Julie Bean. <gasps> so she was at camp mm -hmm. and she, they went to the library and she came back and said, mommy, I checked out a book for you. And I was like, what uh -oh. is it? And the book is called uh -oh. Don't Hate, Meditate, <laughs> Five Easy Practices to Get You Through the Hard Shit and Into the Good. Oh, she knows her mom is booked and she busy. She knows me. She oh. knows me. And she knows that you love what you do, but she knows how hard you do it. Oh, that's so sweet that she could sense that. She did. How's the book? The book is amazing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. But okay. who is our guest this week? Girl, this week, I feel like we had some therapy with this woman. We had a whole crying laughing hugging i didn't want her to leave i didn't want her to leave and we're talking about erica alexander y'all know her as maxine shaw from living single y'all know her as the cop and get out okay who did not believe was it cop wanda what was her name no, i don't know wanda. i just remember it was so fun <laughs> she's on black lightning right now but and why we were talking to her is because she is on wu-tang an american saga Oh, again, go back to Saga Saga. Y'all help me out here. I, I don't know. I'm Southern, guys. I'm sorry. You can say it how you want to say it. I'm going to say it, it how I said, but I'm going to tell y'all this. This Wu-Tang series is on Hulu. It's good. It's so good. Erica plays Riz's mom. The backstory here, I didn't know. I mean, I've always liked Wu-Tang, but to know the drama, how they started from Staten Island, like just what they were individually going through was, is amazing. It's I love this series. truly a saga. Yes. Saga truly. continues. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Last night, me and uh, Tiffany Ashton, shout out Tiffany, our producer. Me and her had a moment in the hallway because she was trying to remind me of that ice cream song. That's still Rayquan's Eric ice cream. Yeah, I was like, I it was a moment it for was. us in the New York Metro. Yes, we were out and they were selling the shirts on the streets. Because remember the shirts, guys, in the video, all the different women. They were they were really paying tribute to every shade of brown. Yes. Okay, yes. and it was beautiful. They had the caramel sundae, the chocolate deluxe, the butter pecan Rican, and they all had a cute little custom Wu Tang shirt with the Wu Tang sign on it and the colors they were red and blue it was everything y'all check our instagram because apparently the wu-tang ice cream truck is supposed to come by our office i can't wait and wait for it i'm okay, really excited it, yeah. by the time y'all hear this it will have happened yes. okay and back to school this is like that time of year i you know i don't have little humans yet but you have a little furry a furry have a fur baby mm -hmm. but i know this is that time of year like all my yes. besties shout out to and lauren with the kids they're in full like staples costco Target, all the places, Dwayne Reed, backpacks, yo. Macy, JCPenney's, Target, you know, like <laughs> all the things. You find the weirdest places that sell school supplies and I will go to them. And you got to get the clothes too, right? Because these kids need a look. The clothes, <laughs> the shoes. The hair. You know, Jillian has been stressing me about. I love her though. Why? Um, the lunch bag. That's We've a, been on Justice bag. website, Target website. When we were in Haiti, we went to the grocery store there. They had their back to school stuff. She was like, can we get this here? I said, I'm not buying your lunchbox in Haiti. Okay. We're just not doing gotta it. Carry it back. Because I got to carry it back. <laughs> we're just going to wait till we get back in the state. So is it is is this the age where they really start caring about like the shoes, the accessories? Yes. The yes. accessories? She's really concerned about her look. Oh, my goodness. And what it will be. Well, those braids, girl, she's going to be the star. She's ready for them. Well, one thing, I've been letting her live with her little color braids. But one thing I've decided to do, um, I was sharing with you, I'm not a big online shopper. I've never been. But this year, I've discovered that you can send your school supplies directly to the school. How? 
Well, that's, is that the Target thing? It's a Target thing. I believe also Amazon, and mm -hmm. it's arranged through the school, so they have the school list that you need for your class. And what it's really good for, because you may not know this, but schools, they, they need, like, it's not just about paper anymore. They need, like, paper towels. They need hand sanitizer. They need baggies. They Excuse need me? wipes. Oh, what? you need you getting supplies. They give you a list of, okay, so what's the school buying? Hello? That's what I'm like, what? What is the school buying? Girl, I don't know. The education. I I'm upset for thing. you because I'm going cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. As you name these things, the paper towels are not cheap. First of all. Okay. And, li and think about it. We live in New York, so that means I got to carry <laughs> this shit on the Oh, yeah. You have to do this on online thing. And stuff, so. so this so is a PSA for mom. This is a PSA for mom. And apparently, I'm a little late to it. So this year, no, I'm going to just hold on, order that stuff, send it right to her school, and call it a day. Look at you with the mommy hacks. Yes. I want to hear more. But you know what I want to know, moms? What other hacks are you guys doing? Because I need to know because I be struggling. I I, I need Busy help. Busy moms. Busy moms. Hacks. Yes. Please tell me. Hashtag Please, tell me. Please tell me. Help Now, Corey. over in the love department, <laughs> you got some news. Girl, Cassie done gone ahead and got engaged. Girl. Come on, Cassie. Cassie to Alex Fine. Like, I am moving on. I am so... They're calling it her relationship glow up on Twitter. That's cute. And I'm just, we're really happy for Cassie. We knew she was pregnant. She also debuted her growing baby bump, which means she's a lot further, more further along than I think we thought. Because mm -hmm. she's popping. It's mm -hmm. popping. She's glorious. But she got engaged. Belly all out. It was so cute. The sunset photo on Instagram. Getting all the likes. You know, I love the love. We're really happy for Cassie. And I think people are like, you know, this is her true happily ever after. Because, you know, there were a lot of people. Can we just be real for a second? Yeah, go ahead. There were a lot of people who didn't think she would ever break up with Diddy or that they would end whatever. They were together a very on. long time. Yeah, they thought maybe that was just what it was going to be, even though she had been outspoken about wanting to get married and have a family. Mm -hmm. So she's getting her happily ever after, and we're all just really happy for her. And you know what I love, too? Not for nothing that Diddy has been supportive Love it. And congratulating her and telling her, you know, you're beautiful. Go do you, girl. It's I mean, those are not his exact words, but. I actually, can we just say, I really love when exes do that. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if you can, you really want to be friendly exes. Yes. I know it's hard, but nothing helps you move on more, I think, than not having to deal with the baggage and the drama. Yeah. From your ex. Like, yeah. you know, having to avoid each other at, you know, because you have shared friends, shared spots. If you like that bar and he liked that bar, y'all got to both go to that bar. And you got to be able to give each other the nod. <laughs> I'm serious. I think it's important, especially when kids are involved. But when they're not, I think it's important to try to just be at least cordial with your ex. Yeah. No on-site FUs when I no, see No, no, no. No instant. I remember, um, I mean, it's a little bit differently, but I remember reading about Regina King a long time ago saying that her and her ex-husband had to really come together yes. and figure out how to part or parent their kid without hating each other because yes. they would sit on opposite sides of the football field. And she said they had to come together and realize it was for the best of the kid that, that they came together and be friends. Notori Naughton, our sis on power. Hey, mm -hmm. Notori Boo. I actually worked with her for the current issue, September issue, which is on stands. Yes. To really sit down with her and create this beautiful open letter from her to her fans. And that's basically what she's talking all about, Corey. Mm -hmm. She talks about how she's no longer with her daughter's father, mm -hmm. but they are co-parenting and actively working on co-parenting by even going to counseling together. Mm -hmm. And she really talks about the growth that she had to have to understand that her happily ever after may not have happened the way she wanted it. Like yeah. she didn't imagine that yeah. they wouldn't get married and be together. Mm -hmm. But now that that's happened, she is like, what I am going to imagine is a world where Zori, her daughter can have her father and her mother and they can be in each other's lives. Wow. And she goes in, it's a beautiful three page letter. It's in the September issue. And we'll those plug. pictures talk about glowing. She Girl. looks so beautiful. She's stunning. And she, she, and you know why she's glowing, Corey? Why? She is glowing because she is happy with her now. Okay. She is not trying That's to... That's a hashtag, Charlotte Pan. It's okay. Can happy I, with your... Y'all don't go steal ahead. it before I get to go, Daddy. <laughs> She's happy with her now. <laughs> so, Corey, you know I stand for Robin Thede since she's been on the show. I mean, she's so... I just think Robin Thede is funny as hell. I think she gets she's, me. She is fucking awesome. She really is. And when you meet her, she's awesome. Her whole vibe on IG, I'm always commenting on her stuff. I stand for a Black Lady Sketch show and it's um, the finale is this weekend. Yes. But guess what, girl? It got renewed. Go oh, a second season. Go ahead, Robin. Dee -dee. Woo, woo, woo. And the whole cast, you ladies are phenomenal. We got to get Robin back on, Quinta on. Like, we got to get these Gabrielle girls. Gabrielle Dennis. Gabrielle, come on, sis. 
these ladies are so funny. And it's a, it's, I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, some of the people like it, some people don't. But what I will say is that's always humor. Exactly. Either it's for you or it isn't. And I'm laughing. First of all, um, what Saturday Night Live has been on for what, going into his 45 years? Yeah. Not every sketch is funny. Exactly. But if, I, if it's for you, I need you to laugh. know what's been your favorite sketch because I have mine. Okay, um, so the, show. the sketch with Patti LaBelle coming every time she got dumped. Shout out Ashley Nicole <laughs> Black. Every time she gets dumped, Patti LaBelle and her background singers show up to sing on my own. I was screaming on my couch. <laughs> screaming. Because that is used to be my breakup song. Oh, and yeah, I think yeah. that's what I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. Because black women on my own. <laughs> and Patty was like, you know what you got to do to make me go away? You got to sing along and be OK with it. And then when she was like, OK, you can go now yeah. to the guy. Because when this gets started, she was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I was like, what's going to happen? Patty LaBelle appearing. Come on. That was my favorite. What was yours? So I, mine is split. I love the married couple. And Robin plays the guy who can never say yes. Oh, at the wedding. At the, well, there was a wedding. But then also, but on the plane. When Yvonne Orji is the flight attendant, is like you need you sitting in the exit row and you got a you got I need an, a verbal yes for sure for for sure for yes. sure for what that she's like I will move you to the back of the plane and Quinta playing the hook girl that's like what you mean what <laughs> and then my other one is the monster ad for the uh, rehab gang gang bangers and they're oh, all in pink yes oh my in god in the garage in the garage that's when i realized how genius gabrielle dennis is mm-hmm. like she shout out that. to her because she was like what you gonna motherfucker do she you crushed it you didn't sign your like 401k straight up bladder crap from california <laughs> <laughs> she was hilarious oh okay wait one more shout one out more. one more shout out y'all this the episode the skit where robin Thede um died because she came to work or on time because she didn't do her makeup and she looked like and every time Gabrielle turned to her she looked more dead she had the veins she had the ivy bag that they were like clear because I really got that yes yes I, you don't understand I'll never forget my aunt and my grandma used to always say you act like you're gonna die if you get to work on time that's what she did she died anyway shout out to a black lady sketch show y'all you guys are doing great work it's hilarious congrats on season two and speaking of hilarious Erica was funny we laugh, girl. We cried. We just hug. I love her so much. I love her so and much. And I need to say this before we start. Do y'all know how many black women I've seen say that they went to law school because of Erica? Wow. Because of her character. Yeah, Maxine Shaw. And seeing Maxine Shaw be a badass attorney on Living Single. I know that part of why I wanted to be a magazine journalist was because of Flavor and wow. Queen's character mm-hmm. on the show. Like, I, you know, I really, like, you, you, you Khadija, we saw this. We wanted yeah. it. Yeah. And I was young. But I, I saw that that was something I could have and I could be. I could have my own magazine. Mm-hmm. I could run shit. Mm-hmm. And they saw that with Maxine. So just shout out to that whole cast. And Maxine went in. We went in. You ready, Corey? I'm ready. Get your tissues, y'all. Loved mm. you on Living Single. Loved you on the Cosby Show. About to love you on American Saga. Yes, Wu Tang Saga. That's a Saga. Is that right? Yeah. You know, you put some Corey on it. It's not Saga. Saga. Gala Gala. You know, we're just doing this. Corey, who is here? We jumped right to her receipts, but there's an icon. Icon. Living legends. Who did? Where? Erica I'll motherfucking Alexander is yes. in the house. All right. Yes. Come on. Snap, 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 snap. That was the, you know, <laughs> that's you. the that's the that's the that's, that's the introduction. Thing. That's what we do. I love it. I mean, you know, receipts. Hey, I, I I love it. And this is Essence. <laughs> Black Girl Magic Headquarters. Like, I will receive all of <laughs> Usually people are like, oh, they give me She's like, cash them. Yes. Absolutely. Now, over 40 TV roles. Is that accurate? Are you still Who counting? Counted? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about my age. I said, yes, I am over 40. But okay, that was surprising. It could be. I, I wouldn't I, be surprised. I love that you don't count. No. I love that. I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, my God. That feels about NAACP right. NAACP Image Awards. That's right. All right. You nominated your, six times. Nominated six times. Hello. Receipts. 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 <laughs> you played not one but two iconic characters on TV. That we still talk Ooh, about to this, to this day. day. Maxine Shaw. What's the other? Yeah, what is the other, Charlie? Cosby Show. Oh, oh Cousin, Cousin Pam. Pam. Hello? What? Yeah, you right, you right. You I right. don't know. She, you, you, <laughs> don't you, make me you take shoving her in cards. that space a little bit. But, but okay, I'll I mean, take it. 
look, I'm not gonna shove her out. When people see you, what which role do they refer to? Is it always just Maxine? No, it's Austin cousin Pam, uh -huh. depending on where I am. <clears throat> cousin Pam, no, they love it. But that's an iconic show, so anything that came on it is considered, you know, to be very beloved. You were that was a part of history. No, it sure was. I that I grant you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're gonna have fun with you. Where do we start, Corey? Can we just get right to Wu Tang? I'm a huge yes. Wu Tang fan. I'm sorry, and then we'll come back. And then we'll come back. Yes. But Wu -Tang. I'm so I love Wu -Tang. excited for this. Yeah. The Tell me about what? Is it all one director, or is it gonna be? No, it's not. So, uh, all right. So, what and you're it playing Riz's mom. I'm playing Riz's mom, Linda Diggs. Linda Diggs is the mother of the Wu Tang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go, Riza is one of the producers and the writers. Mm -hmm. He's doing it with his writing producer friend, Alex Say. Okay. Um, they worked together before, and also Brian Grazier of Imagine TV mm -hmm. and Films. Um, so he, I just met him, never met him before, always liked his films. Obviously, Method Man is a big deal, mm -hmm. but, and, and, and the Wu-Tang, you it's know. Bad. Yeah, there you go. So what it is, is they filmed this series in Staten Island. Mm -hmm. We filmed it over the winter. There's 10 episodes. Um, September 4th, we're yes. going to debut. There's a, an amazing cast. Ashton Sanders is RZA. He headlines it. Um, I play his mother, Linda Diggs. Divine Diggs is his brother, played by Elijah Martinez, who did the Broadway show Network the whole time we were on it, did double duty on it. Uh, we also have Zolie Griggs, who plays my daughter. She's fantastic. Everybody should go and friend Zolie. She's a gorgeous little thing, and she um, plays uh, Shuri Diggs. And then we have this young man named, uh, um, she, he plays Randy Diggs, and he's played by Justice Davis. And then, of course, we have Sadiq Saunderson, who's playing Ghostface Killer, mm -hmm. and Dave East, who's playing Method Man, and Marcus Callender, who's playing Power. We have an amazing cast. And people from The Sopranos, Vincent Pastore, Big Pussy is playing My Boss. Yeah, because I play a, a waitress. This just keeps getting better. And so this is all filmed in Staten Island. They wanted to film so in Staten authentic. Island because they love Staten Island, but they wanted to make sure that revenue stream came back to the place that has supported them. Mm -hmm. I really admire that yes. about them. Not only did Staten Island give them a street, Wu-Tang Street, they gave them a district, the Shaolin District. So they also, it's a love, love thing. And uh, so that's where we, we, that's where we were for five and a half months. Corey and I were just talking about how we learned about Shaolin from Wu Tang, from like Wu -Tang. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know the legit. Everything like, I know about it in a whole absolutely century long thing. They were and, borrowing it from yeah. a legit yes Chinese yes. and respecting it yeah. while doing so. Yeah. You yes. know, it wasn't. Yes, this project is so exciting. Well, you know what? I think that that's a weird thing. Not the weird thing, but the fun thing about African Americans is that we make up our past and our future and our present from all sorts of mythologies. Mm -hmm. We don't have to. I mean, even if we have Nigerian blood or whatever we're doing, you know, now our DNA, yes. the things and the people that we've made of ourselves now is out of whole cloth. Yeah. We're just like authors of our own life. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that especially inside of the hip hop world, they even created names for themselves. Dana Owens is Queen Latifah. Yeah. You know, that means something to her. Mm -hmm. uh, O'Shea Jackson is Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to create a mythology around ourselves. And not only did they create that around themselves, like RZA is RZA with Method Man is blah, blah, blah. And they've all had several different names, ODB, you know, yes. Oh Dirty Bastard. I have like three. It's very several. <laughs> but they've also created the, the whole mythology of where they came from and the why of the it story. and the mathematics of the five percenters and all of that. And so I think that that goes to also us being in the diaspora, yes. being lost. And that um, it's like uh, Parliament Funkadelic. They change the game mm -hmm. of how they are seen, and you know what I mean. And yeah. I think we're the original cosplayers. Yeah. Oh, that's something that. you uh, you brought up on um, on the nod, which I loved. And if you want to talk about it, so continue to talk about it because when you went to pitch Concrete Park, your groundbreaking graphic novel series that has mm -hmm. been winning awards, but they tried to tell you that black people don't see themselves in the future. Yeah. Every time you say that, it hurts me. I know, but it was just... It was stupid. It was so stupid. Yeah, so we were going around trying to, at the end of the 90s and into the early 2000s, <clears throat> set, set up a science fiction series. 
And at the time, I was married to my creative partner. We're not together anymore, but Tony Perrier. Tony Perrier is significant because he's the first African-American to write a movie that made over $100 million. And um, so he had some cachet in the world. And we took a long time for us to get this meeting with this particular president of this studio that made genre films and films with people of color. That's the the thing, that this pool that we were swimming in. We started to pitch, and Tony, whose background is advertising, he worked at J. Walter Thompson and that type of thing, but he hadn't drawn or illustrated comics. He had made up some things so visually they could see the type of people in the world that we would be in. And we were very proud of these visuals, and they had done us up very well up until this point. It gotten us into this room, and as we started to pitch it, the president of this big studio says, let me stop you right there. He says, black people don't like science fiction because they don't see themselves in the future. And then he tells us a story because this all comes because he's had this experience of having made this movie and it was a science fiction film and it was, um, I'll just tell you, it was starring Natasha Hentridge in Ice Cube. (laughs) You figure out who the studio person is, they're gone now. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a focus test and they had a group of people come in and they all left except for this young black man who he said kept looking at the screen and wouldn't leave. And when they came to ask him, sir, do you have any questions? Do you have anything to say? And he said, yeah, I just want to know, how'd that get to Mars? Now, obviously, this man had told this story several times over and over again. And no one probably had challenged him on him. If so, very little, very little pushback. So he had created this whole sort of, uh, you know, explanation for it. it. And Tony said, he said, let me stop you right there. He said, for black people, the past is painful, the present precarious, but the future is free. He said, we always create in the future. Mm -hmm. He says, because you took our past. We don't have a present. The future is the only thing that we have that, you know, we are the aliens that you took from across the the, the, um, ocean to rock your world and make your planets twirl. And then he started to tell him, by the way, you may not know about Octavia Butler and Samuel Delaney. And at the time he said, and not for nothing, Will Smith mm-hmm. is the number one science fiction star Hello. in the world. Yeah. Well, that made this guy mad. But yes, we had that experience. That really did happen. That's an exact quote. And I always said after we got out of there and we left because we were so down, we thought, what do we do? And uh, Tony said, oh, F it. I'll draw it. And he taught himself after 50 how to illustrate comics. And so uh, Concrete Park is what came out of it. And if you take a look, and uh, um, I wrote, he illustrated those, every single thing you see from the front page to the, you know, the cover, everything is what we had to do to create this proof of concept and to step over this man's um, predisposition to put us again, once us, us in a box. The world that he created, the culture that he lived in is black culture. Mm-hmm. He had the nerve to tell us the futurist in his world that he created jazz and hip hop and rock and roll that yeah. we were incapable of seeing the mm. future. So we just decided, Effort, here's thought. your future. And that's Concrete Park. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And I always said that I would write a book, How This Got to Mars. Okay. <laughs> I'm buying dedicated it Dedicated to him. Please. If it ever got famous. So I got to better get on it. Oh my God. I want to I want to read. I want to see that. that and everything. That's the memoir. That's everything. Please give it you to the people. Those, it's silly what you, you encounter. But black people know. But you know what I want to know? You are classy, phenomenal woman. And I know you oh, didn't really you, say Charlie. or do. You're welcome, sis. <laughs> I know you didn't really say or do what you were thinking in that moment. You know that blackout black woman moment where we have to gather ourselves <laughs> yes. and you have that internal monologue and you say what you really want to say when that happens yeah. in your head, but then you pull it together because it may not be the right way, the right place or the right time. Yeah. What was that? I just want to know what you said in your well, head. Well, you know, I'll tell you the truth is the truth <laughs> is that I was I was I actually didn't know what to say in that moment. Mm. The reason is because I didn't expect that moment. You're we always right. know what to say after those moments. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and black people are good for sort of absorbing. And then after we get out, I should have told him this. Exactly. You know, he come and be in the back of the we get but that's that's also the frustration of what being black people ask why do we do so much bad talking afterwards mm-hmm. it's because we really can't often do the thing that we want to do mm-hmm. in the moments we're supposed to do them but the reason i didn't do that is because i had never been in that position usually i'm the person who's being auditioned right. and that person is sitting on a table and i go thank you and i leave tony had been in those positions a lot more so he said it and it sort of happened so quickly in fact after that 
we started to show them a little bit of our world and he started to push things around this president, you know, and sort of be really dismissive. And Tony said, well, now you're calling my baby ugly. He said, Erica, come on, let's go. We're done. And we were walking out and we were in the atrium of this big building feeling gobsmacked because yeah. we were insulted, but we were also hurt. Yeah. We had worked really hard to get to that meeting. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to be the first African-American to write a movie that made over $100 million with a Schwarzenegger or, you know, me who had spent my whole life by that time in entertainment and was wanting to present well to sort of be dismissed like we're nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, not only that, he'd made two mistakes that day. Not only did he tell us that we couldn't see ourselves in the future, he thought we were making that thing only for black people. That's an insult. Absolutely. So we didn't know what to say to that. And what our answer was, was Concrete Park, the graphic novel. That's the baddest thing that we had to say. And I wish I could say I was more badass. Now now I would know what to say. I'm more grown up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a decade and almost two decades mm-hmm. after this happened. But then... Uh, you know, yeah. it's speechless. I bet. You know what? I noticed um, in listening to you talk before, I know you've been very open about you, in addition to that conversation that day, but you also were told at one point in your career, uh, no one can get excited about you. Oh, yeah. That it, With an agent. Yeah. You found out you weren't paid enough or paid the same as your um, yeah. co-stars on the Root spinoff. But I, something I personally realized in my life, when I've had really horrible moments in my career, when I look back on it like you, now that I'm older, that was such a growing experience. So can you talk to us about each of those things and how you grew from them and how they inform you, who you are today? Nobody likes to be rejected. And the, the, the incident you're talking about is that I was saying that um, I got dropped um, and unceremoniously by my agent at around age 37, 38. Now, these are your prime earning years yeah. mm-hmm. because no one was really, now they're making ingenues. There's Marseille Martin, there's Yara Shahidi, there's, you know, but they weren't, if you were young, you weren't getting anything. If mm-hmm. you were youngish, there were very few things because the girlfriend of, say, Wesley Snipes or that type of thing, you needed to be an adult, right. <clears throat> like Andrew Brown Bassett's woman, age, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. to uh, be taken seriously because those are the roles they made DAs. Um, lawyers, that type of thing, um, authority figures. Yeah. So you're coming into your authority about 38 because, again, as black women, we always look younger than our age. I've been yes. playing younger than my age for a very long time, including Cousin Pam. I was 19 playing 15, and, you know, I was lawyered and I hadn't gone to college, you know, that type of thing. So here I am. Maybe I'll be able to compete with those women over there who, you know, Regina Taylor and all these really badass actresses. And then they drop you. Mm -hmm. I'm dropped from a mid-range boutique. You see, Mm -hmm. the only place to go is someplace smaller Mm -hmm. and much more maybe um, curated. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to be taken up by the big guys because they've already dismissed me. No one not only wants to be rejected, it's like saying that everything you did, the two NAACP awards, the all the great reviews you got, the Royal Shakespeare Theater on the road, um, a year and a half with the Royal Shakespeare Theater, six plays at the public theater, uh, the fact you can do comedy and drama, the fact that you show up on time, there is no uh, story about you not sh- showing up drunk or not knowing your lines or not mm-hmm. being half prepared meant nothing. They literally sat in that room with those agents and said, who's interested in, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll have to drop her from a roster, like nothing. Wow. There was nobody there advocating for you. Yeah. We weren't in the room. No. I can't even imagine. I'm sorry. I understand completely. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry. But you had to reset. Yeah. Well, you know. And and heal first, I imagine, right? Because I I mean, I that yeah, that doesn't that doesn't wear off. You're used to rejection. That's not the point. You're used to rejection, and you get it. But you hope your representatives know who you are, the value, and the fact that just around the corner, that next gig may kick you up into a gear Mm -hmm. that brings them the payoff they're looking for, because it is a money game. Mm -hmm. And you can't just go on good reviews. And you are competing in a pool of very good actresses 
who get good reviews all the time. Maybe they haven't gone on, been in the Royal, you know, been in a Peter Brook play or, you know, done Joseph Papp's last play. I have a resume that is almost unprecedented in terms of its breadth and who and how. Cosby Show and all that. But if it means nothing, and that's the thing you've done your whole life, what are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it brings to bear, like, what am I? And I think. Your calling, your purpose. Like, yeah. it comes, calls it into mm-hmm. question. Exactly. And, and, and at that point, I had been writing. So I started to take the fact that I needed to be a creator mm-hmm. much more seriously. I needed to discipline myself and focus my attention on things that were beyond a phone call or somebody who so-called represented me, who was supposed to work for me. By the way, they fired me. No, I'm supposed to be able to fire them. Yeah. But that's not where, the way it happened. Mm-hmm. So maybe because I wasn't, it would blindsided me and it never occurred to me that my, the thing that I thought I was the most gifted at, I don't have a college degree, I don't have this, was no longer valuable in their space, Mm -hmm. that maybe that's what frightened me. Mm. That's the truth. I get that. You face a fear that you were never enough, and guess what? You're not enough. But then, you know, you get a new agent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think Michael Green, Michael Green was a person who picked up Chadwick Boseman, no one wanted to represent him, and now he's Black Panther. I'm there with him and Tessa Thompson. Here's a, a, a Jewish man who made a way to say, no, I'm going to represent these black people. And he has a great, beautiful stable of artists there, of what Mm -hmm. he calls artists. Still, we're outside. You know, Chadwick made his way with doing biographies, Mm -hmm. and that helped, you know, him get leverage into other parts. But for the most part, if you were outside of the big agencies, that whole, the way they packaged names, you were not going to get those roles anyway. So when people say, why didn't you get those roles? I said, because I gave them to the person that was already in that agency. Yeah. You know, so if Taraji or any of those people were in that agency, they got those roles. Mm -hmm. They didn't even go out to anybody else. And that, and it was inherent prejudice, racism, and bias built into the agency system. And that's what they're fighting now. And that's why they have the writers you know, who've all fired their agents. That's what's going on mm-hmm. is because of the packaging fees. Mm-hmm. But it also um, uh, stood as a way, as a barrier that if you weren't inside those agencies, you were not getting those roles. Girl, your oh. strength, Ooh. your authenticity, everything that's radiating. That <sighs> we're t- Can we just go back to Erica growing up? Where does that? No, I have to because that doesn't just, you know, that you evolve, that, you know, that's planted, that blossoms. Like, even despite this vulnerability, everything that you're sharing right now, that's so, there's so much strength in what you're saying and what you've been through, and that you can share this with us and still be open to cry about it. You know, a lot of women aren't there yet. Well, you know, you're here. You know, here's the thing I mean, black women, we can cry every day at the, inherent injustice of being a black woman, being seen as a person who's angry, being seen as a person who's um, a villain. Um, The thing that makes you the strongest, the way you look at the person, the way you directly approach a person, being uh, off-putting to people, so you have to put it, pull it down all the time. I mean, it's, 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 it's exhausting. I'm I'm glad to be here, but I stand on the shoulders like we all do, mm-hmm. of not only giants but people who are like you. I haven't earned the right to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the worst they can do me, Fannie Lou Hamer would say, "What you got, girl? Okay. Yeah. Get up." Mm-hmm. You know, they they faced horrible things. Yeah. And they did horrible things to them, mm-hmm. and yet. We have Etta Baker, and we have um, um, all these people to look back, and not just look back, but to fuel us. You know, we have Oprah, and Oprah can show us the way. And it's a different type of background that she might have. And for people who were raised in Arizona who may may have had something that's a little bit more like mine, they'll be like, hey, I heard in Erica's story something for me. But I think what we all hear together is, it's not just a sisterhood, it's it's a humanness. I call us the moral majority, black Mm -hmm. women. We always vote Mm -hmm. for the village. Mm -hmm. We will save this earth and this planet, I promise you. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is messing around, and we always look past, and we're pragmatic, we're practical. We don't play games and shuck and jive, and if we do, when it comes down to it, we go, no, I was just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And we do what we need to do, you know? Yes. 
And that is what it takes. So I'm not going to sit there. And even though I say, sure, I'm hurt because I'm an actress. These things wound you deeply. Mm -hmm. My whole goal is to be affected by things and not Mm -hmm. to shut myself down. I'd like to pretend that it doesn't hurt, but it does. But past all that, my goal and my mission and the reason I'm here, my purpose is to go forward Mm -hmm. no matter what, Mm -hmm. because that's what's bred in us. It's not to play at, be athletes and be blah, blah, blah. It's to be resilient. It's to be divine. Now, one way I know you've taken that, um, I love, I call it the fuck it philosophy that you talked about on the nod. Oh, Lord, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just said that you you got to a point in your career, you were like, fuck it, I'm never going to let anyone else tell me where I can go, what I can do in my career. And I, I wanted, I'm curious to know, is that what formed you to form, to create Color Farm? Um, I've always wanted to create a company and I had a company called Cimarron Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it and I used the money that I got from Living Single to fund it. And then minute Living Single stopped, I didn't have the money, I had to let people go and I, I kept moving. I had no idea how to do a, a, a a company, you know, I wanted, I, the, the closest thing I saw to company that I understood was company was Essence and Jet Magazine because it came in and we could, mm-hmm. I could see. Yeah. And so in a way, I thought that's the case. And then of course we had 40 acres and a mule and that was a production company. We could see that. And then we had Harpo. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those were like real companies that I thought, wow, they built something and there yeah. it is. Yeah. And I thought I could do the same thing. But the fuck it mentality, I think, it was on the fact that when you're so down and you think that people say, well, aren't you afraid to say that, sister? They ain't going to give you jobs. They're not going to give you this. I'm like, they're not giving me jobs anyway. Fuck it. Be, so fuck, fuck it. it. Yeah. It is what it is. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the reason I'm not getting jobs because I'm outspoken. Nobody oh. cares what I say. Mm-hmm. Nobody is even listening to what I say. And the few people that are, they agree with me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you're talking about. And so... Um, I think over time, I, again, I just, it just focuses your mind and says, what are you? I don't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, my marriage is over, but we still have the creative partnership. Mm-hmm. And Color Farm Media was my way to start to address some of the systemic and infrastructure things that no longer needed to hold because they didn't hold the power anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, your generation has um, the... Uh, YouTube and all these other things. So I thought inside of that, I could be someplace, somebody new. So we call ourselves the um, the Motown of film, television, and tech. We want to create a bridge from the street to the mainstream because we thought the street was the mainstream mm-hmm. and that no longer should that pipeline that was so valuable be uh, offset and put in some sort of marginalized position. Uh, how we do that, we're still figuring it out. We're making collaborations with different types of creators. Um, we've been talked to Essence. We've talked. We'll talk to anybody and everybody. But we're also, you know, uh, producing the John Lewis documentary. Don Porter is our our uh, director on that. CNN. That's going to be like um, um, RBG. Mm-hmm. That'll come out. We're producing a documentary on reparations. Mm-hmm. We're embedded with HR forty with Sheila Jackson Lee's office. I was Hillary Clinton's most traveled surrogate, so I went for ten years around everywhere. She even sent me to Africa. And to this day, I'm an advocate and activist for women and children. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. And tribute not only to her, but to my mother, the people who raised me, my mother, my mother-in-law, and all the great women who I feel have embedded in me a sense of you must um, give um, um, yourself over to the people who are most vulnerable. And I mm-hmm. believe that there are uh, girls and, sorry, women and children. Yeah. So that's what I do. And Color Farm Media, I hope will give me not only uh, standing in there, but leverage, but also be successful. You're nobody in this world if you're not successful. And somehow monetarily, I've got to pull this off. But as we do that, I'm doing a movie about the Boys Choir of Harlem. Brian Tyree Henry is attached. He's from Harlem. He's great. Um, um, We're doing a documentary about uh, Carrie Hilson. She's making her way back from a deep depression, Mm -hmm. um, having given up... um, 
she thought a year and it turned into an eight year hiatus mm-hmm. hiatus and she's coming back from that and also going around with really great um, uh, collaborations and what we think that you know once people look up two or three years they'll say God we'll see what I did with my time other than that I'm still an actress and that's why the Hulu thing matters yeah. I'm glad to do this role this is a a fun role, but it's also a significant role. I'm, like I said, I'm not usually a mother, certainly of grown adults. Um, Sometimes we're doing our scenes, I have to back off a little bit because they say it looks like love scenes. So I, <laughs> I don't want to look like I'm filling my own child's balls. You know, I make sure my hand is up high, you know, stuff like that, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm really happy to be in the space that I'm in. It's the fuck it space, but it's also the creative space. Um, one more nerdy question. When you got the script for Get Out, what did you, did you think that it was going to be as huge and as deep as it was? Okay. (laughs) I'm going to make a confession right now. Okay. I never read the script for Get Out. No judgments. Okay. Okay, good. No judgments. I had to go in. (laughs) You're busy. I I mean. And you you get your part and you audition that part and often that's all you need. Uh And I can really, you know, it's not like you don't want to, just that you can't incorporate. I end up, um, uh, getting a an email from Jordan because uh, he wanted me for the role, but they didn't think they could work it out. Like I said, I was a surrogate for Hillary at the time, and I was doing uh, two other shows, okay. Queen Sugar and something else, Obosh, oh, and they didn't mm-hmm. know how it could work out. And he wrote me this beautiful letter that said, I really hope you brought something to this role that I really think would be great, and this and that, and this and that. Here's another confession. I didn't really know that Jordan was directing this movie. Mm-hmm. I had never met the director. It was just me and one person in the the room when I auditioned. Wow. So it was sort of like a pro- functionary thing yeah. that we did. I thought I was talking to a college student. <laughs> and I said, no worries. We're going to work this out. You know what I mean? Future Oscar winner. I had not paid attention <laughs> to whatever. By the time I get there, I've come from Queen Sugar. I'm doing my last one. I'm playing a... Uh, a bipolar person. Mm-hmm. I just finished that last show. Get on a plane by five o'clock in the morning. I am from New Orleans to Alabama, yeah. and then I'm in wardrobe. And they said, "Have you met Jordan yet?" And I said, "No, I'm looking forward to it." So I said, "Look, <laughs> I take my phone and say, well, let me look at the call sheet, see his name." Did you Google him? They said, "Googled it." So Jordan, <laughs> P- Jordan Peel from Key and Peel. I said, "Oh my God." So this is a comedy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I didn't know exactly what it was at all. So when he came in, I faked the phone. I said, oh, Jordan, it's fabulous. Nice to meet you. Boom, boom, boom. I swear to you, that is how it's happened. That's the truth. This is the first time I ever said this is the truth. I'm embarrassed. That's all right. No judgment. No, no, thank safe you, space. Charlie. Thank safe you, space. safe space. Yeah. So space. there you go. And I, he told me I could put on anything. He said, you know what? Put on costume. And I think he, he comes from a world of sketch. Right. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay. I went in and there was these nice... Nice people, they were white women, and they had all these funky wigs in a box. And they started shaking them like this. You know, and I said, what the hell? They finna put that on me? I said, Erica, don't say anything, just go with it. They started putting it on because I had that big hair from doing Leanne. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want it to be that. And they tussled my hair into something, they put this thing on, and it was a a cut blonde thing. And I looked in the mirror and I said, that's it. (laughs) Went on set. Maybe we filmed for four hours that scene that yeah. was was longer than you mm-hmm. saw. Mm-hmm. And then I was gone. I never thought about that again because I thought I was in a comedy. So you were pleasantly surprised in the theater? Just pleasantly like surprised. I was shocked and horrified <laughs> that I was in a horror movie and didn't understand it. My friends told and me. It was she a said, deep horror movie. A deep, deep, deep. Girl, I saw the trailer and I was frightened. I said, my God, am I in this? Because I, I, I'm literally, I thought maybe I didn't make the cut. I said, I don't know. My scene was funny. Am I right? It was. It was. So it there was, was no reason for me to know. There was some comic relief and all it the was. terror. Okay. It was. But so it was, it, it didn't. So I it literally, got. so imagine how huge it got. Nobody yes. was more surprised than me. Oh my God. And I'm happy for a success. <laughs> <laughs> As she sips her coffee, I love it. That when thank you came you. on screen, I was like, "Thank God for Jordan Peele." I was like, "For him 
to bring us Erica Alexander in, in this, this moment. moment. In this moment. It was perfect. It was like Maxi. It was like a little nod to like Maxi. Well, you know, I think people thought she was going to do something about yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she didn't do And then she played the shit out of it. That was awful. Oh, my God. It was awful. It was hilarious. I loved it. But you helped, you know, encourage uh, Little Rel <laughs> to mm. go get his friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> he on a dog talking some mess. That's you were like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, sorry. okay, one second. All right. I'll be right back. That was hilarious. Speaking of encouragement, we all just came back from Essence Festival this summer. Yes. Congratulations. It was my first time to be at Essence. I can tell because I have a story. So every time. (laughs) Story time. Charlie's like, I have a story. I have a story. I have a story. (laughs) So we we work a lot, the editors, as um, like, you know, um, talent. You know, we moderate all the things. So we're working. Mm -hmm. So we can't really be fans. So three different times you were like this close to me backstage, but you were going this way, that way. And I was like, be prepared, go say hi. Be prepared, go say hi. It was really a conflict for me. Mm-hmm. But every time I noticed that I didn't get to go say hi, you were so, like, you were lit. You were living your best life. I was like, oh, she loves being a black woman. Because you're already a black woman, like, Auntie Bowl, heaven, yeah, yes. live your best life. I mean, that's just where black women Wait, come to be. You called it Auntie Bowl. I love that it's Auntie Bowl. That means everything to me. What is that? Like, I just feel like it's like you know, Auntie Bess. Like, when we just go yeah. and be yeah, our yeah. fabulous, sassy. hysterical. Okay, I got it. Although, we can never say it to who, who doesn't hysteric. like it. Ava. Ava and, and Miss uh, Oprah. And Miss Oprah. And okay. Gail. And Gail. I'm, well, I'm yes. sorry, Queen Mothers. Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. That that. <laughs> I didn't say it. That wasn't me. That was Corey. Don't call Ava Queen Mother. Oh my God, what does she like? We'll talk. Ava's probably fine. Okay, Ava works. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, you were at the Super Bowl for black women and you were just throwing touchdowns. You were having, throw them, catch them. What do you do with touchdowns? Anyway, that was a bad analogy. You were having the best time. Yes. I could see, you were like, hey, yes, girl, taking pictures. Congratulations, that's a big to do. It was, and you were also working. Yes. Moderating. Yes. Moderated and a bit, were, and then I was also doing some press for Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. But you were the brightest light in that crowd of five hundred thousand black women, and yeah. that's a you know tall order. Well, you know, but what? I saw you. I loved it. Um, you know, here <laughs> you guys created a space. You talk about a safe space, yeah, but a space where black women feel empowered and they feel supported and um, inspired, but also you know admired. Mm-hmm. That's a really tall order. Yeah. And the fact that you could take over New Orleans, which is a sexy city, I think y'all should bring it to Philly. Can I put that out there? Because it's not, you know. You might have to sell me on that, sis. You might have to sell you real hard. Yeah, just, it's called <laughs> transportation. And I didn't, couldn't find none. And it's hard to walk around that city. It's in a bowl. You, when, it, when you got gridlock, you got gridlock. Oh, yeah, you got to figure it out. Yeah. Or get some scooters down there. Something. Oh Something needs to happen. No, we found out so many people just walked in New Orleans because it just made no sense. Well, it's probably good. I have to say, we do have a problem with our weight. Yeah. So we needed to walk. But um, I'm mm, telling you. I don't you, need to sweat that much, though. No. I don't either. <laughs> Philly. <laughs> just put, Just putting it in there. Okay, I have to know something about Wu Tang American Saga. Saga. I don't know where I'm I going with say this. Say it the way you okay. want, Corey. What was the most surprising thing that you learned about Wu Tang? Oh, I love that. I, like I think I learned uh, th- that I started to see them pass their persona, their fake persona. And when I say fake, mm-hmm. meaning their their public persona. I, I, it, that helped watching the documentary, frankly, of Mikes mm-hmm. and Men. Mm-hmm. And then also learning, I tell the story of Sadiq Saunderson's character, Ghostface P- Killer, who was Dennis. Yeah. And he had to take care of both of his brothers who were disabled and his mother who was in addiction. And he was a high schooler himself. It never really occurred to me. Because you have to understand, the whole point of hip-hop is to create a feeling of success that's beyond measure. Mm-hmm. There were some issues in there that shocked me. The fact mm-hmm. that Method Man was going moving from home to home. Mm-hmm. He's such an amazing, charismatic person. Yeah. He's a handsome man, too, so you can't imagine that anybody wouldn't want this to young man his, in, yeah. in his space. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, yeah. And Even now. Oh, hey, hello. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> I'm over here hey, like, man, so I, man, so, hey, man, yeah. I think so, the sure. thing is I, I learned is that they're, they're real human beings, and when people get a chance to tell their stories, and you get to meet that, um, that that's much more, um, listen, that they have stories beyond their public face. Yes. yes. And what they did as entrepreneurs with that independent label, essentially, mm-hmm. and what they created. Because watching the documentary before this is, I felt like, really helpful because I understand 
the logic and the thinking behind the story, you know, and what happened after that. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited for I'm it. Excited. September fourth. Yes. Hulu. Hulu. Yes. What yes. you doing after that? What you got on that? Um. Well, these two documentaries, mm-hmm. the reparations, and also John Lewis, that's trucking along. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're getting ready for the uh, Boys Choir of Harlem film. Yeah. Um, so much. Yeah, that's I love that. Eight. Oh, so everything you listed—that's book everything busy. I'm listed, yeah, booked, busy, and writing and creating, and there's so many things that I I, I try to forget on purpose, but uh, <laughs> just so I can move forward in life. But you know, if I'm lucky, I again I got to focus myself and get some things done. Um, I'm people have asked me about Black Lightning. No, I don't know anything about Black Lightning or whether I'll be back there. But I did like working with China McLean. She's oh, a doll. Yeah. She is. Yes, she's a doll. I so, love her. My yeah. daughter loves her the descendants three yes oh that whole thing is yeah yeah you mentioned right. her earlier she was like yes. did you say china <laughs> she just jumped right like, in oh, what? Well, yes. i'm also co-directing that doc that the reparations documentary what? and directing the carrie hilson one so yeah oh wow that carrie hilson one sounds amazing that's a well. great one it is it's about mental health but it's also about the power to break through break out and come back you know i mean we talk again over and over again <laughs> about these lives that channel in success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what happens when it doesn't work out that way? Mm -hmm. Does she still have the power to remain relevant in that space? Well, she's remaining relevant by telling her truth. Mm -hmm. And so she's a very brave young woman. She won't be doing it alone. There's a lot of people who have mental health issues and Charlemagne the God, all these people have been talking about it now. Um, If we look back on all these stars that have left us, and when I say not just celebrities, but industry leaders, um, they, they were suffering from mental health issues yeah. and they were probably self-medicating. So it's it's a shame. Yeah. You know what I love nowadays is when you hear celebrities or even regular people say in casual conversation, well, when I talked to my therapist or when mm-hmm. my therapist told me this or when I, when I sought help for this, I realized, you know, 15, 20 years ago, no one... People were still embarrassed. At least I found in my inner circle, it wasn't people were embarrassed to yeah. say that they were asking for help. Yeah. And now yeah. it's more common. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, I go and I and I speak. I've spoken twice in Detroit. Um, first to uh, school of middle schoolers. Uh, sorry, sorry, a house full of whatever, an auditorium school of middle schoolers, and we asked them, mm-hmm. "How many of you uh, know anybody or uh, who have have tried suicide?" Mm. Can I tell you, if there was 250 people in there, probably 240 people raised their hands. And the, and you could see their teachers go, right? So the next year they have me back, but this time it's, they've created a forum. They've now got health care Mm. officials in there to train people inside the neighborhood on how, how um, mental issues or wellness works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll, he'll, um, the day I arrived, this is no joke. I land the, the, the plane lands. I cut on my phone, and it's morning. And there's a big uh, bulletin that Anthony Anthony Bourdain has committed suicide. Oh, yeah. So for the next several days, that's all they're talking about. So I looked mm-hmm. at it because I was interested to see how they talked about it inside of our community. It was hardly ever mentioned. Oh. Now they mentioned because of Anderson Cooper and his brother dying and that type of thing. And of course, Anthony Bourdain is a big deal. But I didn't see the, t- the statistics that were being thrown around when I, that we were the community that was more, most in danger of it. While I was there, because it was adults that were there and there were people who came, the people who were committing suicide were over 50. You're 50 years of age. Mm-hmm. Grown. Mm-hmm. Retired. Mm-hmm. And hurting. Hurting. Mm-hmm. And there they were. Um, grown men without their uh, wives commit suicide with their grown children. And um, all I know is that uh, black people, again, we know what it is, Mm -hmm. but our community, uh, we need to, this is not, it's not, it's not a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we see Kanye West and my heart goes out to him because I know that he's dealing with a lot of things. But the thing that he's dealing with the most is that we hardly ever get to see um, mental health issue push put on display inside of a, a framework that's already distorted. And when he walked into the White House, that's what happened. Yeah. So people don't know what they were looking at, you know? And however it goes, whether you're talking about Carrie Hilson or whether you're talking about Charlemagne the God or whether you're talking about The Rock, who's talked about it, I have had um, issues with depression and, 
anxiety and stress. I realized just the other day I probably have a social anxiety. I always thought it was just the fact that I like to stay home, but the truth is I get frightened every time I have to go out. I'm mm-hmm. fine once I get out, mm-hmm. but I, I, but the amount of sort of work that I have to do to get there mm-hmm. was just something I had built into my life and didn't realize that it was something that was stopping me from probably enjoying many of the activities yeah. that I was going to do. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to say thank you because just the invitation to do stuff like this, um, it, it may seem natural that it comes natural to me, but it doesn't. You know, there's no place I'd rather be than home. And if you ask anybody, from Tisha Campbell, all of them who are my peers, have they seen me? No one has seen me out. Thank you That's for really thank you for thank you for coming us, here. This oh, well, is thank a, you a treat thank, for us so much. I love you so much. I know I don't know you, I but love, I, love, I love you too. and I love you even more thank now. You. I, I, well, thank now you we for, know each other. Yes, and uh, thank you. You know, and thanks for the work that you do. You know. And thank Snow's you for the, the openness. That yeah. means, I mean, that's how you connect thank with you. people. That's how I connect. Yeah, Love yeah. is my love language. It's just all of the things. Well, you know, in this year <laughs> and in the next years uh, coming again, our connection is going to mean everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we know what's in front of us and what we have yeah. to do. I'm hoping that we can not only stay steady, but inspire people to come out and, and, and understand and what the moment is voting that's you know exactly what <laughs> i'm talking on, about yeah. girl let, let me say listen you said, don't beat around the bush you're don't right we need get to vote someone out and we need to stay active the white house i yeah. Yeah. wanted to ask you when you were talking about active. being a surrogate for for hillary and mm-hmm. everything i wanted to be like sis how are you surviving right now in this <laughs> world but i was like we're gonna go left let's stay right today oh, yeah. but i really just wanted to be like are, you know how are you because i mean people are waking up angry it's and they have awful. every reason to be. It was a tsunami, and it was a slow-moving tsunami. By the way, if you have, by the way, I was a surrogate, and that means that a surrogate is a person that speaks for the person through their own experience. But you must know that your candidate's resume, mm-hmm. and you must be willing to stand and deliver for it. So that's what people ask me: what it is. It's like you're helping to birth their campaign through you. Mm. Do it for ten years, and if you do it for someone like a Hillary Clinton, you've gone through all sorts of madness. There's mm. no doubt about it. What it did was it trained me to be not only optimistic, but to know my facts mm-hmm. because there were a lot of wrong information out there. It also asked me, who was, who was I? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm talking about her, but I'm talking about her in my experience. Mm-hmm. How does that play? And she, she's only displayed through my eyes so I can be authentic, you know, and through my, through my voice. Um, it's really not about her, though, mm-hmm. ultimately. I was really there because I was very inspired by her. I'm a Scorpio. She had married a Leo. All these other things that people don't understand because they're like, well, you're a black woman and all this. I said, it's nothing to do with it. You you vibe with whom you vibe with. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and people say, oh, you don't see color. I see, I do see color. But I see the humanness in me and I like strong women. I have always liked strong women. And if you are vilified, I'm already enamored of you in some way. Because I think that the vilification is uh, usually um, somehow uh there's something good about you. I think they don't come after hard if you're bad. They come after you if you're good. And so um, to have endured that for 10 years, but also um, come out on the other side of what I feel was a stolen election and an illegitimate um, administration. Mm-hmm. Let me put you like this. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a assassination. And you got all these zombies walking around that don't really know what to do yet. Mm-hmm. We just know that we need to maintain and keep going and stand and deliver for the next person that's put into that position. And that's exactly what's got to happen. Uh, I'd like to go to Canada or one of these countries and become a citizen, but it's not going to be, you're, you're not a warrior if mm-hmm. you leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it gets hard, you, you stand and you, you, you fight. So I think about that movie Gladiator. Remember those, oh, yeah. they made, yeah. made it hard for him mm-hmm. and then they threw in the lions from the bottom, yeah. then they threw in the women with the chariots, and then they would push you with the poison dart and all mm-hmm. these things to test your mettle, mm-hmm. to yeah. see if you would fight to the death. Malcolm, Martin, and all those people fought to the death. They did. So I'll see you in the arena. Oh, yes. Well, the power to the ballot people. Ballot box. Ballot box. Right. That's the arena. Is it, what's that? <laughs> what did Malcolm say? It's the ballot of the bullet. Mm, that's true. I don't know what he meant by it, but that's what I'm going for. It. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. You made our thank day. You. Thank you. you. Truly. Eric Alexander the Great. Mm. Thanks, Essence. Okay. Thank you. Up next, more Yes Girl to come. Charlotte Penn. Hey, Corey Murray. How are you doing today? What? 
I'm doing good, but you know what? I'll be honest. My, you know, summer's still here and my tan is glowing, but I really am concerned about it being like dry in like a few weeks. Like I, I kind of want to keep this suppleness and I'm really stressed about how to do that. Well, you know, we have someone here who can help you with that. Really? Oh my gosh. We who might that do. be, Charlie Pan? We have Anne-Marie Brown here, the creator of Cool, Calm, and Curly. She is hello, a hey, hello. and dubious. Hey, Anne-Marie. How are you doing, Anne-Marie? Great. How are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty Great. good. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you're going to help us get our hair and skincare and all the things together for the end of summer because it's not over yet. <laughs> No, it's not over yet. So we still got we still got some time. We got some time to get it together. But how do you keep? Do you have any tips for how you keep a summer glow all year round? So for me, definitely to keep my glow, I definitely have to exfoliate because anything that you're putting on dead or dry skin is not going to help the situation. So what I like to do is I like to exfoliate just to give me a nice base for the glow. So I usually like to go in with a body scrub. I love using the coconut and hibiscus hand and body scrub at least once a week. It's really helpful in removing all of my dead skin. And I actually have eczema. So I tend to get dead skin more than usual. So I like to go in with the body and hand scrub at least once a week just to remove all the dead skin and make sure I have a good base. And then once I get all that dead skin off and I have a fresh layer of skin, I like to go in with the body oil and lotion just to give me an illuminizing effect. The eczema struggle is so real. So you it it is, is so real. Oh my it is really God. real. Yes. <laughs> I cannot. It's a problem. It is. And I've really had it like all my life. And to this day, I'm still learning how to really just make the best out of my skin and just make sure it looks healthy at all times. So it's definitely a struggle, definitely a struggle, but uh, we're doing it. <laughs> we are. sister. I share, I share that struggle with you. So you're probably changing my life with this recommendation. But I do want to know, since we do have similar skincare struggles, how does your like overall body care routine kind of change, you know, throughout the seasons, not just for summer, but throughout. Right. So it definitely changes throughout the seasons. Now I will say I, because I have eczema, I have dry skin all year round. Like that stays all year round. It doesn't come and go. So the dry skin for me sticks all year round, but definitely in the winter months, it's way more drying than the summer and way more harsh on my skin. So I definitely need to moisturize and hydrate. Those are like the two most important things. I definitely need to moisturize and hydrate. And not only that, I usually have to do this right out of the shower while my pores are still open. My skin is a little damp, so it allows whatever products I put on top to really seep into my skin. If I'm slathering a bunch of stuff on dry skin, it's not really helping at all. It just kind of sits on top. So I definitely have to do this right out of the shower to make sure that it penetrates my skin a bit more. And layering my products is key. So I do this with my hair as well. It's all about locking in the moisture. So I usually have to layer on the products to really lock in that moisture. And I'll usually go in with the coconut and hibiscus body oil first on damp skin. And then I'll follow up with the body lotion just to lock that in and give me a smooth texture on top. I know a lot of the times people think you have to put an oil on top to lock it in, but not necessarily. So especially for me, not wanting to have slippery, oily skin, especially in the winter, we're putting on a bunch of clothes. I'm putting stockings on. I don't need, you know, like the oiliness on top. So I find it best to really lock in the moisture from my shower with the oil first and then go in with the body lotion to just give me that smooth layer on top. And then during the warmer months, like now, I usually skip the layering and I'm able to just put on the body lotion straight onto damp skin right out of the shower. So Anne-Marie, your tips are so on point and I thank you for really breaking down how to properly use 
the Shea Moisture Coconut and Hibiscus Body Collection oil first, then the lotion. Thank you for that because, like Charlie and I said, we've been doing it wrong. Seriously. Um, but now <laughs> Everywhere. that, you know, you figure it's simple, but hey. Um, but winter is coming. Shout out to Game of Thrones. It is coming. Unfortunately. And the, unfortunately. And the ash <laughs> is real. Yeah. And the steely uh, skin mm-hmm. is real. And I find that sometimes I'll even call myself putting on, quote, unquote, thick lotion uh, or a body cream. And by the time I get to work, I'll look down and I still, you know, I see ash. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? Seriously. So please teach me because I, I don't want to be ashy in winter. <laughs> I just None of us. I just don't. I just do. don't. Because you know what? Real talk. I don't. I, I'm. I'm one of these new girls where I like to not wear stockings as long as possible. But if the ash mm-hmm. is there, I look crazy. But anyway. But tell me. Tell me. Okay. So, like I mentioned before, no matter what products you're putting on, if you're putting it on dry skin. You're just putting products on top of dry skin. It's not really doing anything for you. So as soon as about an hour or two goes by, you look down and like you said, it's ashy again. You're like, hold up, what happened? I definitely put something on this morning. I know I'm not going crazy. So what I like to do is exfoliate. So I'll exfoliate, I'll hydrate, and I'll layer. So exfoliating to get that dead skin off, can't be putting products on dry skin. So I got to get that dead skin off first. And then I'll go in with my hydrating products. So I'll use the Shea Moisture Coconut and Hibiscus Illuminating um, Body Wash first, exfoliate with the hand and body scrub, and then I'll go ahead and hydrate and layer. So I'll after I scrub and get the dead skin off, then I'll seal in all of the goodness with some of the Shea Moisture Coconut and Hibiscus Body Oil and Lotion. So I think I realized that what I've been doing wrong this entire time is putting products on dry skin. And dead yeah, skin a lot of skin. people come out the shower and Same. they're like, okay, Same. let me dry off. Let me take my towel, completely dry off, and then put my products on. But it's honestly what I like to do, and this is a really good tip that I learned a long time ago. Instead of taking a dry towel and completely drying my skin out after the shower, what I'll do is I'll take a damp rag and I'll just kind of sweep it over my skin so that I'm not soaking wet, but I'm not completely dry either. So instead of using a towel, I'll just take a damp washcloth and sweep it over my skin to soak up the excess water. And then I still have that dampness left behind. And then that's when I go in with my moisturizing products and I layer those on, on top of damp skin and damp skin is definitely easier for products to penetrate. Once your skin is dry, your pores are already closed. It's going to take the product a lot of work to actually get through your skin barrier. So it's always best to put it on damp skin because your pores are still open and it just allows the product to seep in. Thank you. And that's why you are a skincare enthusiast. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like low-key obsessed, but... (laughs) It all feels so simple now. Thank you so much. We have to have you back for more tips. No, of course. Thank you for having me. This was great. (laughs) Thank you to our guest, Erica Alexander. And to our sponsor, Shea Moisture. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Yes Yes, Girl, Girl, featuring interviews with Jada Pinkett-Smith, Amanda Seals, Ayala Van Zant, and Michael B. Jordan. You can find Yes Girl on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, yes, that's you. Be sure to leave a review and let us know what you think. We love reviews. Give us reviews. More and more reviews. Thank you. Don't forget to talk to us on social. At Corey Murray. At Charlie Penn on Instagram. And at ManWifeDog on Twitter. Be sure to use hashtag YesGirlPodcast. Love ya. Talk to you soon.